Hey everybody, Chase Nobles here over at Kush.com. I've got Edward Martinez from Vrent Valley Farms on the show today. How are you, Ed? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Uh, looks like you got some stacks behind you there. What are we working <laughs> with? Yeah, we're actually just just some product that we have here. Um, basically a smaller farm just focusing on um, quality flour. You know, that's our main focus in the market. I will say, you know, a lot of times you walk into a hemp farm and you all are growing CBD, CBG, hemp, flour. Yeah, yeah, we got both. Yeah, and so a lot of times you walk to a hemp farm and you see a, a large amount of low quality buds in the farm. Yeah, no, I hear and you. And that, wait, the way that you have that packaged up and stacked up behind you, it just reminds me of going around to all the THC farms up here in Washington and Oregon and California. It looks like uh, it looks like some really high quality product you got there, man. Yeah, no, um, that's our main focus. I, you know, honestly, when I first when we first started, you know, I was working for other farms, um, bigger farms that are local here around the area, um, and that's what I that's what I've seen. You know, they had a lot of really nice product on the flower. You know, when it was when it was fresh, then it's just the the time it takes to cut everything down. It's like they have to be as as efficient as possible. So they can't spend every every single like hour, you know, really attaining to the buds. So you know, you end up with a lower quality product, you know. And since definitely. we are, yeah, since we all are smaller farm, like we we definitely have that time to focus on. So. All right, before we jump into all the farm lessons that you're going to teach the audience today, because <laughs> I'm sure you have a ton. What's the background? How'd you get into hemp? How'd you get into cannabis? You know, what's the origin story? Edward Martinez becoming um, a cannabis industry professional um basically man it all started right out of high school um you know that's when we first started growing um thc and we were um developed basically all our knowledge within like the medical program that was going on in oregon at the time and so we were just basically growing for different patients and um for ourselves as well and that's basically where me and two other friends have gotten most of our knowledge and then um Basically, honestly, after that, I just ended up finishing out um, my college. So um, I actually took a break from the cannabis for a while and then um, got my degrees and then um, came back. So you made some. So you're in Oregon, just to clarify yeah. for everybody. Southern yeah. Oregon, kind of a cannabis capital of the world. You know, the medical marijuana laws in Oregon were very relaxed for a long time. Yes, right? <laughs> and you get out of high school, you start growing weed and you, you decided you needed to go to college or you wanted to go to college. What, what started that? Um, because you were, you were in, it sounds like kind of that heyday zone of being able to make a ton of cash in the Oregon market, because that was definitely the reality. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, we were, we were doing pretty well for ourselves. Um, but I actually had bit, I've already started college at that point and, um, I, I just couldn't, I didn't have the time. So I was literally taking one class here, two classes there. And um, basically I got to a point where I was just like, man, I need to finish this up. Like, you know, because I mean, education is definitely um, important to me. So I, I was just like, I need, I need to stop. I need to do this and just finish it out. I mean, I can't start something and not finish. So I, I, I hear that. So you got a bit, you got a, you didn't just get one degree either. You got a business degree and a yes. psychology degree, and which psychology is uh, not a bad degree for being in the cannabis industry. <laughs> uh, 
No, honestly, man, the, the psychology degree has um, not only helped me, like, you know, um, dealing with people, like, you know, as far as, like, you know, on the business side of it, but just, you know, in my everyday life, you know, it's helped me quite a bit, you know, understand who I am as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so you so you wrap up college and then you go back into the cannabis industry or do you do something in between? Um, you know, I was growing on a smaller scale at that point um, just to just to get some money here and there and um, did a lot of working and stuff. And, um, as, and then I just figured, you know, this is I wanted to take a stab at the at the hemp industry, you know, because it's it just seemed like a way more legit, you know, way to go about it. Um, the the med, like the medical program started getting a little bit more difficult to get into, and um, also the recreational side of it, very competitive, really competitive here in Oregon, and it's it started getting really hard to actually get your stuff out of, yeah. You know, people look at Oregon and they look at it compared to Washington. It looks like it's about the same size, but it is a much smaller state when it comes to population. And the way that Oregon did its licensing, where it was a free-for-all, pretty much anybody that <laughs> wanted a license could get a license in recreational cannabis. When that happened, flooded the market with retail yeah. shops, flooded the market with growers, flooded the market with extraction companies. People from around the country were coming there to grow or, and then, Oregon also different than Washington, where we're up and we're up in Seattle. You couldn't have out of state investors in Washington. In Oregon, it was a free for all. Anybody could invest. Yeah. And it just it just boomed so fast because the country hadn't seen anything like that prior to Oregon legalization. So, I mean, it really trashed the market for a lot of people that had built a, a long term business that that seemed like it was very sustainable. It really kind of took a toll on a lot yeah. of the people that built it in the first place yeah no and i would agree um and you know i stepped away for a second and like um, kind of parted ways with my friends and um you know i ended up doing my own thing for a minute but me leaving and stepping aside um kind of like left me you know like i i ended up like losing quite a bit of that clientele and all that stuff and like my position basically in the market so uh, i kind of when i jumped back in i basically had a restart Right. And so you mentioned that the way that you grow hemp is the exact same way that you grow THC flour. Is, um, it, are there any differences or is that just the same amount of care? What are you talking about here? Um, basically, I mean, I would say it is different because I mean, now you're, you're running with like, um, you know, you're running with row crop now. And so now you got your irrigation going underneath the ground and all this stuff. And it's on a way bigger scale. But as far as um, the nutrients and um, how we work the soil and all that stuff, we're really trying to implement everything we can as far as basically with the knowledge I've gained growing THC. So that, that includes like making my own, like um, making my own teas and stuff, brewing them and um, basically injecting them into the lines now instead of, you know, just throwing the water pump inside a big old tank and just having it going straight forward. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the main things that we're, we really want to implement. Well, tell me a little bit more about the tea and the nutrients that you get from the tea brews that you all make. So it's, a uh, basically as far as the teas, you know, I wanted to really, you know, be as efficient as possible. So basically, um, buying bulk material as far as like a different type of nutrients, like, you know, different type of like back guanos and, um, you know, different blood meal um bone meal a bunch of other stuff you know and um 
you know, instead of buying like these big old, like um, the liquid nutrients that I've seen a lot of people are buying and feeding that directly to your line, that's really expensive, expensive. too. Expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I figured, you know, we're, we're on a smaller scale here and um, I didn't really have the income basically to the finances to, to really be, to support all that. So, you know, I, I had to figure out a way, you know, to basically try to get the best product possible with uh, as much money as we could, you know, or as, as least amount of money as we could, you know? So um, basically I put, put together all these, um, all this different nutrients that, um, we would buy in bulk and put it basically I'd, I'd mix it up man I had my own recipes already going in so I already knew what I was doing coming in but um, you know I'd make my own tea bags and stuff out of like old shirts and stuff and then just get it all in there tie it up and then just let it let it sit and let it let it sit in the in the water you know when it's all it's, it's getting pumped pumped and aerated so um, let that sit for about like 15 to 24 hours, depending on what, what style we're doing. You know, if it contains, if it contains um, guanos or any type of like manure, then you can't let it sit for too long, especially during the summer. It gets too hot and, you know, that stuff's just going to go to waste. Got it. And so going from smaller scale THC to larger scale hemp, you know, even though it's a smaller farm, growing hemp, is a different scale typically than cannabis. Oh man! What, what were some of the what were some of the failure points where you, your assumptions were here and the you know and the outcome was over here? Did you have any of those moments where it was like, oh man, that was the I will never do that again? <laughs> oh, we I've ran into plenty of those moments. Honestly, we um, me and my dad we 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 were just like, I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> but like. I, yeah, we've we've ran. There's a lot of trial, trial and error. You know, um, honestly, um, one of the one of the main things was um, like the Hawaiian haze. So we grew Hawaiian haze, very temperamental plant. This is the first time we've worked with this plant before, so we didn't know how to go about it. But we ended up putting it in the middle of our crop or, or in the middle of the field. And what we learned when we were building the greenhouse was that we actually have like a water canal that runs directly in the middle of the property and runs straight where that Hawaiian haze was. And what we learned was um, that the Hawaiian haze does not like to be wet. So, <laughs> so it, it, it's, it just, um, it gave us a hard time, honestly. And the Hawaiian haze definitely performed as far as the flower, how it looks and everything, but as far as the size of the, um, the plant itself, didn't quite get what we were what we were expecting, you know. Got it. So dialing in the genetics was probably a because yeah. that is something that you had to switch from THC to hemp was the genetics yeah. of the plants. Oh yeah, definitely. And so it's just basically working with new plants, you know. I you know, honestly when I had THC, I would only work with the same plants every time, you know. I, you knew I, them I, inside and out. Exactly. So I I would and I would save seeds from every every all the best strains that I've ever had. I'd save the seeds and like, you know, whenever I wanted to run it, I could run it or we could do like a mother plant and clone from it. And, you know, it was just, it was pretty easy that way. But on a bigger scale, you can't really do that, you know, unless you have the, unless you have really the time and the finances to really get to it. Of course. Now you, you, you mentioned sustainability when, when, when we asked you a few questions earlier before the show, 
what kind of sustainable efforts are you going after? Because, you know, I was on an NPR interview a while ago and somebody called in because it, you know, who knows going to call, call into NPR and somebody was real upset with the plastic sheets. You mentioned that you're not doing that at all. And it's, it's, uh, you're using something a little bit different. What, what is that and how's it working out? So basically we did actually use plastics this year, but only for like half of the farm. Got it. We we were just, you know, kind of experimenting. And so um, what I was trying to introduce and um, I wasn't sure if it was going to work on my land, but it's actually shown pretty good results. Um, I'm, I'm basically trying to use like a biodynamic like farming practices and um, introduce different crops that grow really well in the what, soil. Is, what does that mean, biodynamic? Um, so I, I kind of wrote it down just so I wouldn't forget, but um, it's basically like utilizing the environment and minimizing the dependency on outside materials. Got so, it. Okay. Yeah. So, so and, and of uh, course you would want to run an experiment before you did a whole farm with it, right? Oh yeah, it, like, of course. Well, the that's thing a is, lot of risk. You guys take enough risk yeah. as it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, the thing is, we didn't know how much like weeds were going to grow this and that. And like, there's a lot of factors that play in. And if the weeds are grown, then that means the plants aren't growing. And so, you know, you need a and you need to have good crop that is going to actually benefit the plants as well. And then would once they you could break them down, you could use that as um, basically compost. And then, um, and then you need those beneficial crops too that bring in the nice bugs that you want, like you know all the predators instead of, you know all the little bugs that you know they prey on. So Got it. And, and so the experiment was fairly successful in this year. Yes, actually, um, we minimized quite a bit of the weeds that grown, and um, instead of using plastic, you know we used the cover crop, and it minimized quite a bit of that. Um, we were using like. Um, what was it? Rice straw. And then we used a little bit of alfalfa. You know, the alfalfa is pretty expensive right now. Right. But yeah. But we used some alfalfa just to get um, some of the nutrients out of that. And, um, you know, it, it was working really well. And I think this is something that we definitely want to move forward with just to eliminate the plastic altogether. No, that would be amazing. You know, because it, 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 what do you do with the plastic after the season? Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a it's a messy job. But yeah, no, you basically just pile it all up and throw it in the back of a trailer and just haul it. And, exactly. and it, so if we could figure out a better if you could figure out a better way to do that, you know, you're in a great place because oh, well, people want that, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, we're in this industry for a reason. I mean, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to minimize our carbon footprint. And so basically the plastic is, oh, man, that's that's bad stuff, you know. Yep yep and now, I, I, yeah oh go ahead no go ahead i, I want to hear what you're oh, about to say oh i was gonna say they, they have that biodegradable plastic too and we kind of wanted to experiment with that but i had a buddy go tell me that it, it's not that great he says that they need to work on that quite a bit i'm not sure if anybody has developed something better but the problem with that is that it it, it does it gets um it basically starts to degrade and um now you got that stuff the wind blowing and then it's in your it's in your neighbor's yards it's all over the place pissing so. off the neighborhood yeah exactly so, so everybody everybody you know like thinks that growing is going to be where the product is made but mm -hmm. it's the harvest the drying and the curing which can define a great product yeah. what does that process look like for you all and and how does it how does the product you know 
change over time from for the people that don't know, you know, when you harvest the plant, how does the product change over time with each step of the process? Um, so basically, you know, we, we do everything by hand. So we're basically chopping it down, taking off the main top colas, you know, instead of going to the, to the whole, um, to the whole plant itself, you know, we're, we're giving it time for those smaller undeveloped buds to get, to get ready. And then we're basically working our way through the field. So that, that helps bring in weight and then also like a denser product and then something that's going to be finished and look more appealing to the eyes. And so basically from there though, we would take the product that we've cut down and we would hang dry it. So now hang drying is something that not everybody does. Get on do, you have, do you have like a big barn or some big racks or, you know, I saw one guy had an apple, old apple processing plant and had all the wires they could pull it up on. How do you guys do that yeah. at that scale? Well, yeah, we got, we, we got a big barn and we got a couple of shipping containers that we, we dialed in. Right. And um, basically, yeah, just um, got trellis netting hung up and then we're just hanging the product um, all the way up to the roof and then have our sections broken down. And are you all hand trimming everything too? Yeah, actually we are. And you know, that's, that's the, that's the process that takes the longest. Of course. Of yeah. course. I see all the bags behind you and it, you know, it reminds me of the days where you get paid by the bucket, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. But, um, so basically we've dialed in the, the drying um, rooms quite a bit, you know, just getting the right humidity, the right, um, just the right temperatures down just so that we could get like six to seven days of nice drying and then we we have a bunch of airflow going in and then air going out so um just so that it, it basically doesn't it, it really like holds in that terpene profile you know so right and i know you're product, i know you're curing um, this product too to some extent yeah 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 i mean um it's kind of hard on a bigger scale you know usually when when you're doing thc you got jars and stuff the jars do not work for this. Um, you know, we're, we're just trying to do it in bags. So as, as best as we could. And, you know, we put it in bags basically. And then um, we, we have it in the super sack bags after that. And then we just try to get the room dialed in as perfect as we can. And just, you know, let it, let it cure for a couple, for like a couple weeks before it even gets touched. Hemp flower has been one of the most sustainable markets through the entire price crash of the past year and a half. What is what have you all seen? You know, prices did come down. Don't get me oh, yeah, wrong. Definitely. But they have maintained better than, you know, look at some of the derivatives and the extracts. What, yeah. What have you all seen in the market? And what do you all think is going to happen this season when it comes to hemp flower prices with, you know, the network that you have internally? You know, um, I, I believe that the it, I think it's going to stay um, relatively the same right now. It definitely it definitely dropped quite a bit, like going into or in, during December and then going into January. And I feel like it's picked up. It's been picking up just a little bit. Um, I feel like it's going to go up again here in March. And, um, you know, it would be a good time to try to get rid of everything. You know? But as far as going into next year. Um, it really depends how much people are growing. It really depends how much people are growing, how much people have quality product and, you know, basically how much people are, um, are jumping into the market doing other things as far as extracting, you know, and just overall, like, you know, just different processes. 
Have you seen a different price point for your flower? You know, we see a lot of flower in that two to three hundred dollars range. What, yeah. what kind of price point are you all seeing with a higher quality product, hand trimmed, everything? Um, you know, the the two hundred and fifty dollar range has been um, somewhere we where we have been selling some of our stuff, but not most of it, honestly. the the price The prices are really really competitive. You know. I, there's a bunch of farms around here and all over the place and that, you know, that do have nice quality product and um, they're able to, you know, lower down their prices. So that's basically what we had to do here in the beginning. And um, we've been, been pretty successful selling around the 200 range to 175. Got it. Got it. So that, that might be a little bit of the, you know, the new standard right now. Yeah. It seems like everybody's getting a little bit more efficient too. So it's not cutting into their margins as much as it did the first yeah. year with the, all the sunk costs and everything that people put in the first year. Yeah. Know, well, now that's a lot paid back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have to worry about that stuff the second year. So, I mean, this is our first year in the market and, you know, going forward with it, we would really like to, to move forward and um, grow, not necessarily expand, but just perfect. And, um, and so a lot of that equipment and all the stuff and the knowledge will be there. So, you know, we'll be able to be a little bit more efficient next year. And I think, you know, the product itself is going to be better as well. Beautiful. Well, there you have it. Edward Martinez looking to perfect rather than expand in the current market uh, of hemp flower. No, I just wanted to say that um, our main focus after this, I mean, we're basically trying to dive into other products. Um, and we we basically we want to kind of do some of those extracts but we were looking to extract a lot of that keef out of our um out of our trim so that's another thing that we're trying to focus on and that will be coming here soon and uh, i see a lot of people doing those moon rocks and stuff i think we're definitely going to experiment with that and try to get some of this um the cbg out out towards like europe area and and how how would you, if you have a whole crop of flour and if you're wanting to extract keef out, how would you do it? Are you going to use shake racks? What kind of, what kind of process are you planning to use to, to get um, keef out? Basically a dry sift, um, do a dry sift with dry ice and then, um, you know, extract the keef through basically, uh, bags, like, you know, like a different type of micron bags. Beautiful. And then the moon rocks, what, what's drawing you towards the doing the moon rocks, which for every, you should probably explain what those are for everybody that doesn't know. Basically, it's a it's flower sprayed with um, different type of either distillate or or like some D8 like oil and um, then just rolled into the keef. And so then now you get like a nice, nice uh, rock that's just basically covered and caked with keef and um the reason for that is because you're using a lot of material that is honestly, it's just sitting, you know, and you're not going to get much money for any of the biomass. And right now the extracts too are not, not really doing too well in the market. So, and so if you have a bunch of flour that's just sitting and, you know, some, some, I would say some lower grade flour that you could work with, and extract this key from then you know i think you'd be sitting pretty well because this stuff is going pretty it's 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 expensive for a pound right there's all those little buds that just aren't going to command the market prices that yeah. the top nugs are and yeah. the extracts market's not that 
enticing to send that stuff to extraction because there's so much yeah. biomass just totally ground up all together yeah. right no they actually they don't want to yeah a lot of those extract companies they don't want to they don't want to work with the little dog man <laughs> they don't trying, yeah yeah i've been trying to get get my hands on a lot of stuff but um there nobody's really trying to work with me right now they're they they say that they got they got their um they got bigger farms you know looking to get this stuff done and so i'll probably be pushed right behind the line of course yeah it's one of those things where that's what happens when there's a supply oversupply of biomass the, at the level yeah. it's been at this year and so sure. you know if you can find a way to put that in the consumer hand and have a distribution channel you know right along the lines with this you know smokable channel that you have right now that's uh seems like a seems like a smart direction to go for a hemp farm yeah yeah of course but yeah, no, honestly, man, I think um, I think we could wrap up here. Uh, I wanted to show some flower, but I don't want to take too much of your time. Oh, man. no, no, Edward, <laughs> Edward, go ahead. I would love to see what you're working with there. If you've got it out, um, I yeah, see all the bags behind you. I was hoping we could do that at the beginning of the show. So I'm yeah. excited. Let's do it. No, that's cool. I actually, um, the bags are just, the bags are just there. Decoration? But, um, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's calling me. Oh, good. But, no, this is, um, this is the Hawaiian haze that we had. And so basically really tight flower, the buds medium sized. And this, this stuff is just, just reeks out of the bag, man. It is, it it's definitely a good performer in the market. Um, honestly, we are almost sold out. Um, that that's a heavy hitter and that everybody's been just taking it all. Honestly, that looks like that's looks like something you'd be proud to come home from the dispensary with Oh yeah, the, no, the hand trim on it too. You know, people try to use the machines and, if you're going for a craft smokable flower, yeah, you're just not gonna get it. You're not gonna get it with a machine right now. You 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 have to put that like you have to put your eyes on it and cut it with scissors. Oh yeah, no, definitely. No, those it, the machine doesn't do all the work, and you definitely have to touch it up again to get a quality product. Right. But and then um our this is the sour space candy. The sour space candy honestly um a lot it's it's really dense it, this this stuff comes out like rocks but um this one a lot bigger a lot bigger buds this one's just a medium-sized one but they you get quite a bit of big buds coming off of this plant this is a definitely a heavy producer and it it just it just reeks of like sour diesel we had a we had some good um we had some good crops coming out and then just I really like the smell because it reminds me of that sour diesel back then. You know, day. CBD flower used to not really have much of a smell. Like whenever yeah. it was first, you know, kind of being separated out and, and people were growing it specifically for the CBD. Now it's it's mind blowing. It's so hard to tell the difference. No wonder no wonder they don't want to get all the testing. They, they, they don't want to arrest people for cannabis in states that is that is not legal <laughs> in because of hemp. Because you legit can't tell the difference. Oh, no. You they would have to spend so much time and money trying to figure out if this is hemp or cannabis. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, I, I figured you know, there's, it's impossible, you know, it's impossible right now, unless it, unless it's probably the CVG flower, like the white CVG, where you could honestly tell that this is CVG. And then this is what our CVG has been looking like. And we, we actually did a um, pretty good job on this one. I think this, uh, our flower has been coming out. It's not as dense as the it's other. It's a little two. looser. Yeah. yeah. You, you harvested exactly. earlier on in the season though, too. Right. So, so it, it doesn't fill out maybe as much right, um, density wise. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly. Yeah. It, this one, all, I haven't really seen much CBG too. That is really even dense. I think everybody's kind of had that problem, you know, with the white CBG, but 
Um, it's it's a weird flower too. The CBG is not nearly as sticky. I went out oh, to no, the field no, last year, no, and it, it is like it's almost like powdery. Exactly. It's very no, strange. It, yeah, it is. Honestly, um, I've we've noticed that too. It doesn't even doesn't even leave anything on the scissors. You don't have to clean the scissors after it. The machine well, that must be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, like if you run it through a machine, a machine just like it it's, it stays clean, and you know, but it does leave quite a bit of that keef and for that's sure. Kind of, yeah man that stuff that's a yeah that's something that's gonna get get you coughing and sneezing and yeah it it actually burns the nostrils too man yeah it's like a little powdery it is it's yeah so much different than cbd and you would not expect it at all yeah definitely yeah we're, well we're hoping to get this um getting this um cbg out to europe i we actually ran a full panel testing on it and we got cleared for everything so um basically got got everything cleared off of it so so it's ready to go to europe and it's uh it's europe compliant and we're looking to do some new product that as well as well as doing like some moon rocks with the cbg maybe we can move that out to europe as well that's amazing well edward it's been a pleasure talking with you beautiful flower beautiful farm you got going on over there good luck with everything and uh excited to have you on the platform on kush.com everybody you can find uh virant farm virant farms uh virant farms products on kush.com on the storefronts there uh our platform wouldn't be the same without companies like yours on it so thank you so much for being a part of it hey it's a pleasure man and thank you guys very much for having me it's honestly it's a great opportunity of course yeah we'll talk soon